All right, Cameron, Lazy's episode number eight. We are almost in double digits. I'm Shane here with Ariana. How you doing, Ariana? You know, it's been a little bit of a long day. Tuesdays are generally my long days. Uh, worked out some this morning, taught some this afternoon. It was podcast day in uh, class. Is that right? It was indeed. Congratulations for spreading the message of the lovely podcast, which is an up and coming medium, I think. Yes, agreed. There's only three or four out there. Right. We're the third or fourth, but... Uh, Probably it, the best one of those three to four. Yeah, the others are mostly just tech stuff, mm-hmm. like how to build a computer right. kind of thing. Um, but I, I do think the medium is going to catch on, and I, I look forward to sort of being recognized as an elder statesman when agreed. the time comes. Very much agreed. Uh, so, Ariana, we have quite a show lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only are you and I going to be grading the Duke Blue Devils, and I should say the number one Duke Blue Devils. Yes. Um, we've had four games. We're going to go person by person and just talk about how they've done. Um, we are going to hear from a representative from the Cal Bears, mm-hmm. and I'm doing a little gamble where I'm going to uh, also talk to somebody uh, who writes about the Texas Longhorns, Justin McComas. Um, who writes for orangebloods.com. Um, they are playing Georgetown on Thursday. So if they lose, that interview will be for naught. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think they're going to win. Georgetown looks like true trash. Shaky. Yeah. <laughs> they're not good. I, I thought at one point it really looked like they were going to lose to Georgia State. Um, so we'll be talking to him. But first, Ariana, people may be wondering um, why it's just you and I and why Aaron Kirschenfeld is not here. Yes, yes. Um, it's a little awkward to talk about the elephant in the room. Um, but Aaron really did say some disparaging things about the Duke Blue Devils and whether or not they would be um, number one and whether they deserved that number one ranking. Um and it really had a very strong effect on the group dynamics of this podcast. And we, you know, we get a lot of fan mail from people yes. saying, is he a Duke fan? Is he not? What's with all the pessimism? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we forwarded, we made Aaron aware of this. Yes. Certainly I mean, no pressure came from us. No, but we, we did need to respond to our fan base and kind of see what, what his thinking was and his, his motivations behind the words that he spoke. And the good news is Aaron made it really easy for us. He said, mm-hmm. let me go ahead and make a statement. Yes. Uh, I can't be there. What is it? Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and make a statement, volunteer for, I hate to call it a re-education camp yeah. where we sent him, yeah. but this again, all his choice. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, we have, uh, we have an audio clip from Aaron who's going to uh, just explain some of his pessimism and, uh, it seems to me, Ariana, like he's turned over a new leaf. Yes, agreed. And I'm very much looking forward to him rejoining the podcast mm-hmm. um, and really embracing the Duke fandom that he lost. Yeah. And I think in this clip, uh, which we'll play now, you're going to hear in his voice that this is uh, some pretty legitimate. He really mm-hmm. means it. He does. He does. All I right, feel let, moved. Let's hear it. Recording of Aaron Kirschenfeld, November 19th, 2019. I am of the opinion that Duke is a fundamentally strong basketball team, fully deserving of the number one ranking. I would like to emphasize that it was not fear of punishment that led me to acknowledge these facts and to recant my earlier statements. This comes only after realizing the harmfulness of my acts, a realization that did not come overnight, but only after long soul searching. I want the Cameron Lazies and other fan groups to know that this statement is a result of a rethinking on of my past errors that led me to these crimes against Duke basketball and that any suggestion of the use of pressure, threats, or illegal methods against me is devoid of all foundation. 
Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, uh, you can't sound any more sincere than that, Ariana. No, it was in- incredibly, incredibly convincing. Um, I really do believe that he he's going to come back to us in, in the right mindset, Shane. I think so. I, I would say he'll be out of that basement within a week, mm-hmm. uh, ready to come back yes. and just uh, you know feel the, the Duke Blue level love, which mm-hmm. you can't fake. No, and it was can't. evident in his voice. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Ariana, let's uh, move on. It's you and I tonight. And yeah. uh, I think before we hear from Rob Huang of, um, let's see, he is from... The Bear Cast, the Cal Bears representative, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the Golden Blogs Network. Um, we had a really good chat with him. But before we hear from him, let's uh, let's go through the the Duke like lineup. It. Let's talk about the guys. Um, yeah. You and I, I think, both came up with uh, grades mm-hmm. for every person. Uh, who do you want to start with? I mean, um, do you want to start with the high grades or the low grades? Well, let's start with the low profile players. Right. How about we do that, That's and then fair. we can mix it up. So I'm going to go ahead and group Keenan Worthington, mm-hmm. Mike Buckmeyer, yes. Michael Severino, and I hate to do it, but also Justin Robinson. Fair into one group. I I, I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> I'm sorry if you each came up with a grade for each of them, and I just, they're all one now. <laughs> yeah, they're all one element, so you're going to have to come up with a unified grade. No, but I mean, yeah, those guys. We, we don't need to spend a ton of time. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of kind of looking these, looking at these guys and, uh, determining grades, and I do have to shift this slightly now since you've lumped them all together. Um, and I would definitely rank, uh, Justin Robinson a little bit higher than the rest of that group, especially since he got some, he got Captain Hood now. Oh, we can ungroup him. Um, We can ungroup him. We're on the fly here. Ungroup him. Put put him by himself. All right. This makes the uh, grade of the last three much, much easier. I will give them a solid like B plus for their enthusiasm being the hype squad at the end of the bench. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think insofar as contributions otherwise, um, it it is a solid, uh, you know. N.A. for like not available (laughs) because they have not. I mean. Buckmeyer gets some minutes every once and again, which is great. Yeah. Um, and he's different from Goldwire, we should yes, say. Just yes, in case indeed. Sometimes I have... morph their names together and I feel really bad about it. Um, but but no, I'd say averaging an, an NA and a B plus probably rounds out to a solid like C minus. So I give them that's what I'm sitting on. I don't disagree with you, but I'm gonna give them an A plus for privilege. <laughs> uh, <laughs> solid. Solid choice. I didn't factor that in. All there because of who their parents are, I think. I don't I don't know Buckmeyer's story. Yeah. But uh, Keaton Worthington seems like a rich name. And of course, we know Michael Severino has got yep. the Coach K connections. Yep, yep. Is what, nephew? Or what is it? Grandson. Grandson. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, his nephew would be rather old to be playing Duke basketball yeah. at this point. All right. So there we go. So let's move right from there uh, right into J Rob. All right. So with J Rob, um, one, I mean, he gets an A plus for who his dad is because the Admiral is cool as all get out. And he's one of the nicest people I have ever met. Generally at the end of games when he's there, he has a line of people asking him to like take photos. And he almost always does, uh, with a smile on his face. So a plus for his dad. Cool. Um, we're going to factor in a nice, uh, you know, a for ca- like actually being a captain now in his senior year. I, I think that deserves an A, especially because like the season started and then he got upgraded to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then insofar as his performance this season, so he's played in two games okay. for a total of 17 minutes. Sure. And he is scoreless so far. Um, 
has done a decent job rebounding and, you know, decent job not fouling other people. So yeah. kind of rounds out to be about a, you know, a little bit of a non-factor. So probably a, a B in that regard. Yeah, that, I'll give him. That's me what I'd be sitting on. Yeah. Those were words. No, I think <laughs> I think they were words and I, I totally understood <laughs> them. Uh, I'm going to give him another A plus for privilege because Solid. I don't think he'd be on Duke if he wasn't David Robinson's son. Fair. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about white privilege and that certainly deserves a spot in the upper <laughs> echelons of all kinds of privilege, but it's not the only kind of privilege. There's also familial privilege. Yes. <laughs> and J Rob benefits from that. Um, so, yeah, I'll, but really realistically, um, I do remember in the exhibition game, he had a three and yeah. looked really, gave a real mean mug, which mm -hmm. I was impressed with. Mm -hmm. um, acted like he'd done it a lot before, which as you and I know, he hasn't. Um, so I'll give him uh, uh, a B plus for mean mugging. Like um, it. I like it. And I think we should move on. Fair. <laughs> All right. Who's next up on our list? Well, here we go. Here's what we can do. I found, let's go by average minutes um, and we'll go from least to most. I like that. Does that make sense to you? Yes, indeed. That means next, interestingly enough, is Joey Baker. Uh, sweet, sweet baby Joe. Sweet baby Joe. He, his grade got elevated last week for the floor slap. Like, oh, for just sure. reading, reading the room, knowing what he needed to do, that definitely I'm going to I'm going to give him an A for attitude um, on that alone. And he, he knew what to do at just the right moment. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, we talked about that last time, mm -hmm. how nice it was to see that and how Trey picked up on it. Yep. And it really did generate energy. It was like people responded to it, which yeah. I think says probably something about how other people on the yep. team feel about Joey Baker, yep. something good. Um, so I also did like that he hit some big threes. Mm -hmm. Again, obviously the last game was his best game. Yes. Um, but I think we both hope that that's sort of a launching pad. Um, first three games, it was a little bit like, boy, I, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And Coach K was like doing the trolling again where he right. put him in for 30 seconds or, or so. not at all. Um, so yeah, I give Joey, uh, on the strength of that last game, I'd give him a solid B plus mm -hmm. um, with an optimism little yeah, booster room to potential. Grow, right? Absolutely. Definite room to grow. And we've talked about this before, but you deeply, deeply need a guy like that to like be able to hit threes. He would be absolutely clutch. Huge. Addition. Absolutely clutch. Um, up next, Ariana, uh, our favorite Javin Duvalier. Oh, Jav. Um, <laughs> can I give Jav an F for fouling? <laughs> he leads our team in fouls so far this season. Playing 13 minutes a game and he is the front runner folks in fouls. He has as many average minutes as he has total fouls. Well, when you can go in a game for two minutes and get four fouls, I mean, it's you're really impressive. It's impeccable. Really? It almost makes you regret that there's a limit of how many fouls you right? can get in a game. I mean, Cause I feel like he would be setting records. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, an F for fouling. What else? I mean, I, I, I'll give him a. It's hard uh, because, like this season, in regards to his hands when he gets the ball in the lane, it's improved from last season, but it's still not great. Uh, so I'm gonna give him a, a, a C plus for that, um, be, because it has improved. Whereas he gets like super excited when he gets the ball, and almost always it's a turnover because he brings it down to the ground before actually putting it into the basket. It, it's gotten better, but it still could improve more. And hopefully throughout the course of the season, it'll get there. Also, uh, I'm going to stand by that C. And since I'm now just doing letter grades by words that they go with, um, <laughs> a C for crashing into Jack White always. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He did. Yeah. Um, um, B for Butterfingers. <laughs> <laughs> A for absolutely not a great offensive player. Uh, no, I um, 
Yeah, Jevin, I'm with you. He, to me, gets an F for fouling, just like you said. Uh, and I'll give him a D plus for offense because actually the last game he, he showed, showed some yeah, he converted some, but I mean, mm-hmm. he really, his, his standis, standard modus operandi or standus operandi as they <laughs> frequently shorten that phrase, uh, is to, um, is to miss, is to find new and inventive ways to miss very easy shots. Yes. So yeah, so Javin's no good. Now this is going to sound strange because we just complained about his fouling. However, when he doesn't foul, he's a pretty darn good defensive yes, player. Yes, he is. And it's a little bit like saying, yeah, when this guy doesn't like chuck the ball out of bounds, he's pretty good on <laughs> offense. Um, but yeah, but it's true though, isn't it? He like when he's not in foul trouble and when he kind of reigns them in a little bit, uh, he's yeah. kind of the stopper underneath. Yeah, that. yeah. He uses his, the like length of his arms to really be big and tangle some people up in the lane. He just needs to rein in the fouling. And you do have to count the fouling. So I'm going to give a B minus on defense. Fair. Um, next, uh, Mike Buckmeyer's evil twin, Jordan Goldwire. Ah, uh, Jordan. This is a tough one, Ariana. It is. He's been, I think, he's has a very p- quiet presence on the course and court. And so sometimes I have to remind myself that he plays. Um, but he's he's good on defense. Right. His his presence on defense is definitely felt. And even though he's not going to like be one of our stronger offensive players in gridded, I um, you know, say that, but he's scored a handful of buckets for us so far this season. Um, but I mean, across the board generally he's kind of average, and so I would slate him as like a solid B, both in presence for like how he contributes on offense and maybe slide it up to like a B plus four on defense just because of the way that he pressures the ball. Yeah. Um, like that. And even throughout the course of his tenure at Duke, like that sort of pressure has been his strong suit. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's good at it. Now I'm going to give him a J on offense for Javin um, because he's basically Javin Delore on offense, except Fair. as a guard. Um, one interesting thing though, that I did want to bring up, and I think it was Ray Holloman to give him some credit who, who said this on Twitter the other day. Uh, and I hadn't really thought about it, but there is a big difference in my mind. Once I started watching for it between Jordan Goldwire as a pressure defender and in, and in the press mm-hmm. versus him in the half court defense, he's not as good. Yeah. A half court defender. Yeah. Like when you're one-on-one with him, he's not like he he's can press and he's quick and all that, but he's no Trey Jones when it comes to like just straight up man yep. on man guarding a good offensive player. Yeah. And I do think we see that reflected a little bit in his minutes because he's an upperclassman. Mm-hmm. He's a he's supposed to be a defense guy. Yep. He's someone that you would think coach K would lean on, especially with a team this year where some of the freshmen are still learning their way around the defensive yeah. side of things, but he's only getting 14 minutes per game. Um again, he gives you nothing on offense, and I do think he and Javin and Jack White um have lost minutes due to the fact of each other mm-hmm. in the sense that when they're all in the game at the same time, we can't score Yep. Uh, because you don't, you can ignore those guys. And so coach K can't put them all out at the same time. Um, especially, you know, with Jack white, we talked about last time, his ongoing shooting woes. So I'm going to give Jordan Goldwire a C so far this year. That's I just fair. don't think, I don't think he's kind of like pressure defense is as good as insofar as it goes, but yeah. his weaknesses, I think even for coach K are kind of overshadowing the good stuff. That's fair. And I just want to double check if I read this right, but I do think in one of the, one of the reasons why I slid him up a little bit higher is that I think after Trey, and again, I could be wrong. So if you want to check stats, check my stats on this, you can, I think after Trey, he has our highest number of assists on the season, 
um, which is, it surprised me when I learned that. No, you're right. Um, you're I right. wasn't. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. He's averaging right? 2.0 per game, but right. and Trey's up but almost at six. But when you think six. about the minutes that he plays, you're right. He he is getting the ball to other people. So I do agree with you when it comes to his defense. It's like a, a tale of two defenses. If he's stuck in a half court set, he he's going to get beat often. But when we really need somebody to pressure the ball, um, that contribution's good. And then when it comes to offense, he at least is able to distribute a little bit. So yeah, that's right. That's it's right. And he is a bit of a one-trick pony, but yeah. it's a good trick so far. You're yeah. absolutely right. And he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. He's got a, one of the lowest rates among anybody who gets a lot of playing time. Yeah. Which we cannot say for the next man on this list. But this is a really, this might be the trickiest one we have all day. It's Wendell Moore Jr. Oh, uh, Wendell. I feel like there is the grade that I would like to give Wendell, and there's the grade that I will give Wendell. And like he <laughs> himself gave himself an F for that one game. Um, I think right now he's a solid like C, possibly hovering around C minus, depending on the day, because sometimes he just kind of gets totally lost um, on the court um, and ends up being a little bit of a non-factor. But then other times he has these like really great strokes of like brilliance where you're like, yes, this is like, this is the player he can be. Um, And so he's still very much just caught in between, in between having these moments where he like literally throws the ball straight into defenders instead of actually throwing it to one of his teammates or having those moments where he like drives the lane and like makes a really good play at the basket. So solid C there. And, you know, also contributing the, like, self-awareness that he has of, like, knowing that he is struggling to fit into right, 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 right. into the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll throw the minus on there and say C minus. And it's, again, not what you would want to give him yeah. and hopefully not what he's going to be at in a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, just as you were saying, you watch him take the ball to the hole or, or play even on defense. And it's clear mm-hmm. that this is a person with... Far more talent than your Goldwires, Deloriers, Jack White, Alex O'Connell, mm-hmm. on and on and on. There's a reason he's like a you know four star recruiter. Maybe he was a five star. I don't know. But he um, he's really good. I mean, yeah. in flashes. Now he's not fitting in. He has two point five turnovers per game, which leads mm-hmm. the team, which is bad because he plays great. about half the minutes of of the starters yeah. uh, so far. And Coach K clearly doesn't have a ton of confidence in him. Um, but I've seen like some great rebounds from him. I've seen some really really good defense from him. Um, yeah, the only problem is he turns the ball over all the yeah. time and he's kind of, he doesn't seem super composed out there. He doesn't seem super comfortable, but geez, in flashes, you watch him and you're like, this guy yeah. could be a scoring machine. He could be a shutdown defender. Yep. Um, and I think though, I, to his credit, I think he's going to keep getting playing time because coach K does see that he works hard on D. Yeah, he does. He does. He works he hard does. on D. He's not like any kind of prima donna. Mm-mm. This is not arrogance or anything like that. It's just somebody who isn't comfortable yet. Right, right. So, yeah, I hope that we'll see that grade notch up as the season goes on um, and he starts to, like, really find that comfort zone on the court and gets his kind of offensive side of things clicking more often. All right, mate. The next one is a real Solid. tough one. It's Jake White. Solid. What do you think of old Captain Jack, Ariana? So I will definitely give Jack an A for toughness. Mainly in taking all of these hits from Javin. <laughs> um, but then also, and I think I said this last podcast, so I'm kind of, uh, you know, repeating myself a little bit. Um, but I've respected the way that he has stepped into his captain role of becoming a vocal leader on the court, which this team very much needs because they kind of are a quiet mish of, of guys on the court. Um 
when it comes to three-point shooting. Yeah. Uh, I think he's made one or two this season. He's, he's rocking 22%, so, which yeah, to me looks like I, two for nine, maybe. Yeah, that sounds, that yeah. sounds right. Um, so, he, you know, he's, he's legit just hitting a solid F right, right there. And like, I, you know, I think a lot of that comes from uh, just his comfort level with the ball. Um, but then, you know, when it comes to offense in general, um, it's, it's like he's second guessing himself all the time. Yes. And so I'd kind of, you know, between the trust, still the yips with the three point shooting and then kind of struggling to, to figure out what to do on offense. I'd probably plunk him at a D, which I feel bad about. Um, but his contributions on defense, because he's again, he's one of those guys who's really kind of shown up as a um, a really strong defender for us. We've seen that in the first four games where coaches like made substitutions, offense, defense, putting in Javin and Jack yeah. to like make sure we're stopping the ball on D. Um, and so for, for those efforts, I'd give him, um, you know, in the B plus A range for just like coming out and knowing that's his role. So overall, I'd probably, if I was averaging those grades, plunk him at a C. Yeah. I'll give Jack a B minus. Um, I think he's a the king of the no scorers. Yeah. Meaning that yeah. Of, <laughs> of him, Goldwire and Delorier, the one he's Coach the Cape top. would prefer on the floor mm-hmm. is him. Um, on on offense, he I laugh because he's always the guy who's open for three. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's a reason for that. Yeah. But it's like you move the ball, you circle it, you have a great offense, you yep. kick it out, and then the bad penny always turns up. He's the man on the perimeter uh, that's wide open for bad three. Bad penny, what a nickname. That, that's yeah. what I'm going to call him from now on. Bad penny. Um, <laughs> that's an actual Australian we brought in for the podcast, That, by the way. That wasn't me. Uh, Beautiful. So anyway, yeah. he And like you said, the, the problem is he's not – confident in any aspect mm-hmm. of the offense. I, I really do think like once, once or twice a game, he should just take the ball to the hole Yeah, uh, just to try something. I yeah. mean, just to make people kind of look at him a little bit instead yeah. of just being a guy who either misses a three pointer or dribbles in and stops in a kind of panic days at yeah. the foul line yeah. and, and kicks it back out uh, to no effect. Now, all that said, he has been a tremendous leader. He's been very, very good on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been games where you're like this guy, like if he did anything on offense could be player of the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was good against Kansas. I mean, he yeah. was good in his last game. He steps up. He's confident on defense. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, overall, I give him a B- minus because I think he's good for our team. And I think you can have one guy like that. Yeah. Um, you can't – two is stretching it. You definitely can't have three on the floor at the same right. time. You can have one guy. And as we've seen with even some Duke title teams in the past, sometimes, you know, your Zubex or mm-hmm. whoever, they – Come coming big. Yeah, they're the big. End. And they and they make – they tough things up. And they um, – with a team that's identity is defense, mm-hmm. you know, you need guys like that. And he's only going to make us tougher. So Yeah. And his defensive rebounding has been, I mean, superb. He has one of the – He's he's up there when it comes to defensive rebounds. I'm pretty sure for our guys. Yeah, no, he's he's always there and he's always playing smart D. He's, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Um, this next guy, I'm surprised actually that he has so much playing time. He actually has the f- fifth most playing time of any Dukie. It's Alex O'Connell with 19.8 minutes per game. Oh wow. Yeah, um, huh. a little bit of a puzzle there, but yeah. What do you what do you give Alex? I mean the the man we seem to talk about the most in some yeah. ways. Yeah, he's so confusing to me sometimes <laughs> yeah. um, because he can have games like he did on Friday when it's like he's can't pull things together and he's just like totally out of it. 
Um, but then he can have games like he did. I think it was either the previous game or the one before that where he's just in everything, dunking the ball, like really showing off his basketball acumen. Um, and so with, um, with Alex, I think the thing that I knock him on is this question of whether or not he's going to show up. So it's consistency. Um, and I'd say insofar as that goes, um, I would probably give him a like C, maybe C plus in that regard. I feel yeah, like he, yeah. he has a like solid foundation, but he does have a tendency to either like go above it or really slide below that, which is makes him a little bit difficult to read. Um, but I will say, I mean, to me, like I definitely give when Alex decides to go to the lane, when he decides to just like really take the ball in, um, it always impresses me. And I think it impresses other people too, because they forget that he can do it. Yeah. Um, and so for like when he does that, um, I definitely give him like a BB plus in that regard. Maybe I'm a harsh grader now that I'm sitting here thinking about it because it's not like these are things that I can do. Um, <laughs> but but I you're think not, it's, you're not the standard. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, I think it's mainly because I wish he would do those things more often and like, remember that he can do them more often yeah, it's yeah. not that i'm taking that grade down because it he's not good at it it's because he doesn't trust himself to do it enough yeah um i'm gonna at the risk of going to the aaron kirschenfeld re-education uh culture am camp, i gonna be the last one on this podcast you might be you <laughs> might be i might be in the basement next time uh praising dear leader no i um yeah i've got to give alex o'connell a c because i just Fair. keep going back to the idea everything you said is true but to me, this is a guy who, when you need him the most, you can't count on him. And that, that's been true for a long time with some very, very rare exceptions. And it felt true, you know, it felt true in the last game too. It just, he just disappears in these certain moments. And I just don't think he's a gamer. And I know it yeah. sounds cliche and like something you might hear, you know, from your uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner table in between like racism. But, <laughs> but, but really, no, I just don't think he's a gamer. And uh, I, I just don't think when you're not a gamer, I don't think you ever will be. Mm. Um, now, I hope he proves me wrong and yeah. somebody can play this audio and make fun of me if he, you know, leads us to a title, whatever. Uh, but Alex O'Connell, for all his gifts, I don't have any confidence in him. And, yeah. Uh, I get the feeling that the bigger the game, the less we'll see him out on the floor. Yeah. So, Ariana, uh, right. we have four players left, and I do okay. want to do a Coach K grade as well. But Hello. why don't we break this up a little? Why don't we hear right now from uh, Rob Huang, Sweet. who, as I said, uh, is the, the <clears throat> Bear cast. He's a California Bears blogger, good writer, um, part of the Golden Bear blog network. Um, that's, again, who Duke plays yeah, on uh, Thursday. Thursday night. Yeah, if we win, we play Georgetown, Texas winner. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I do like hearing from guys like this because I think it gives better insight than probably you and I could have right. from looking at stats. Yeah, the so. last... I think the last time I paid attention to a California team was when the 20, 2010 Duke team played them in the NCAA tournament. So, that's right. Because I was at that game and it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were supposed to be dangerous and <laughs> mm -hmm. we just, they, yep. they weren't. Yep. Um, all right, so let's hear from Rob and uh, the next voice you'll hear will again be mine. Sorry about that. Uh, and Ariana and I will be back shortly thereafter. Okay, cool. So I'm here with Rob Huang, who is the host of the BearCast and one of the bloggers on California Golden Blogs. Uh, Rob, thanks very much for joining me. And the first thing I wanted to ask you, I guess the big news for Cal basketball this year uh, is the new coach, Mark Fox. And that's usually a time of excitement for a program. Uh, the Viking Jones experiment uh, did not go well, to put it mildly, for a, for a team that had a very respectable uh, last decade until that two-year stint. 
So yeah, just give me a sense of how are people feeling about Mark Fox? Is there a feeling of new optimism in the air or what's going on with Cal basketball right now? Yeah, I mean, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's it's great to go on a opposing teams podcast. It's always fun. I'm scared of my mentions because of just the fan base that is Duke, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and speak as a neutral as possible here. But I highly doubt that's going to happen by the end of this. But you've sold yeah, out. I mean, you've sold out. <laughs> you'll never you'll never be accepted again in Cal. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'll just stay in my little uh, little corner of the Bay Area. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Mark Fox. Uh, you know, longtime Georgia coach. I believe it was, what, 10 years that he spent at Georgia. I mean, not too great success, but su- sustained mediocrity, I think, is the <laughs> correct yeah. term for it. Um, not, nothing ever too great, nothing ever too bad. Um, and I think at this point, after two years of Viking Jones, uh, that's probably what's needed the most. I mean, two years of just horrendous, horrendous basketball. Um, and if you want a sense of that, I, there's one episode of, uh, I believe it's One Shining po- uh, one shining Moment or One Shining Pod. Um, if you listen to it, they have a segment on Dirty Laundry uh, with uh, someone talking anonymously from who sat behind the cow bench for most of the season. Ooh, that does sound good. Yeah. It's, I believe it's, if anyone wants to listen to it who's listening to this podcast, I believe it's like episode 83 or 84. Uh, yeah. Go take a listen. Oh boy, that's bad stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's a low bar that he needs to to get over. Starting off the season four zero. Granted, last night's win over Prairie View A and M was not convincing at all. Um, but hey, Viking Jones won sixteen games over two seasons. Mark Fox is already a quarter of the way to his win shares. So <laughs> I mean, it's progress. It's progress. Um, so that's that. I think that's pretty much where where we're at right now. Yeah, that's great, and um, and like you said, it was not like the greatest record in the world, but sometimes the, the bridge is what you need. Uh, it, it does remind me of Duke football a little bit. When I attended school at Duke, uh, we would win one game of year uh, at the most, and David Cutcliffe came, and he immediately made us like a decent team, and he's still there, and now it feels like we need to move on to the next step, but he was the man who was exactly what you needed there, and it does seem like Mark Fox uh, will will bring respectability, at the very least, back to Cal. Yeah, I mean, it, it's strange, right? Just three years ago is when we had Conzo Martin here, who's now the Missouri head coach. And he led us to, you know, a, a top 10, I think, recruiting class with Ivan Rab and Jalen Brown. Jalen, who, of course, became uh, the number three overall pick a few years ago to the Celtics. And that season led us to an undefeated home season, arguably a top 20-ish, I think, defense, according to advanced statistics. And you know, number four seed in the tournament, the highest seeding in program history. Um, And that was merely four years ago. Uh, So we have nosedived deep, deep. Yeah, you know, Cal is like Duke in the sense that it's kind of like a a school that's, I don't know, maybe has like an intellectual reputation. And uh, what what is the fan base like at Cal for basketball? I mean, is there a thriving fan base or is it kind of, does the team basically have to be good before you're going to get like the students excited? Yeah, I think that's exactly the case. Um, you know, we've had this, this is an ongoing issue uh, with, you know, attendance for not only men's basketball, but for football as well. And it's just one of those things that's just at this point unsolvable unless your team is winning. Um, and, you know, we haven't done much of that the last two years. So definitely that's taken a huge hit. Although I will say, um, I think maybe it's the new coach that's brought a little bit of that. But, you know, the first two games, I think against Pepperdine against UNLV, 
um, the student section was fully packed um, and even nice. ended up using the bleed uh, the you know the extra section that they have uh, sealed off so yeah I think um, I think maybe some of that optimism is carrying around the the campus again this is Rob Huang who is the host of the Bearcat uh, the Bearcast uh, Rob uh, before we get in specifically to the players on this year's team um, you did mention advanced analytics I tend to go to Ken Palm to see uh, what's going on with the team even though it's Super, super early to be doing that. But the one thing I took from that is it's hard to find out much about if they're an offensive team or a defensive team, but it does seem like they, they like to play a very slow pace. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean, you see that Mark Fox tries to, to work in a system right now. Um, you see our point guards and Joel Brown and Paris Austin looking back at coach, making sure they know what play they're about to run as soon as they get into the half-court set. Um, and that's definitely been needed after basically – them playing street ball the last two years. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a Ken Palm user as well. And, yeah, I'm, I have it open right now, too, just in case we wanted to get into some of those numbers. But it's uh, it's definitely different from what we've seen over the last two years. Um, so how scared should Duke fans be of Matt Bradley? Because it looks like he's a really good shooter, kind of a prolific scorer. Uh, I would imagine um, he's going to be the guy that Trey Jones is guarding. Um, he seems, uh, he seems definitely to be the most dangerous guy on, on the roster offensively right now. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, when we lost Justice Suing to a transfer after Whiting left, he went to Ohio state, um, Darius McNeil, who was our second leading scorer left for, um, SMU that pretty much left a void in the scoring and Matt Bradley, you know, had some spurts of that last year. Um, but he finally took that step up into this season Averaging 20 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, and 2.5 assists through four games. Um, the dude is a, a lights-out just scorer from the outside. And, you know, the interesting thing was his shot wasn't falling last night against Prairie View A&M. Um, so he decided to to take, you know, the other approach, which, which is to use his body that's built like an NFL safety and just drive um, into the lane, and he I think ended up at the lane or at the line about seven or eight times last night, um, and that's where he got most of his points. Only had 16 points last night, you know, considering his average. But I mean, that it's good to see that maturity of not trying to shoot his way out of it, but trying to help his team out in whatever way he can get the points. Yeah, that makes total sense. And you know, Duke right now, obviously the number one team in the nation, but I don't think any Duke fans really take that very seriously. This doesn't. This Duke team doesn't fit the profile of like a juggernaut by any means. However, seeing seeing the game you talked about the Prairie View A and M game, to Duke fans you see that score and you're like, okay, well we should beat Cal. However, looking at the three games before that, they're against better teams. They're a little bit more impressive. Is it fair to say Prairie View is a bit of an anomaly, or uh, you know what's the profile there? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the Prairie View. Ken Palm numbers uh, going into the game. They were, I think, top 50 in creating turnovers um, mm-hmm. on defense. And we basically played into their hands. Uh, we haven't, We I think we had 32 uh, turnovers going into the Prairie View game. We had 22 in the Prairie View game. Um, and the Prairie View team is not that great of a shooting team, but yeah. we gave up 20, we gave up the ball 22 times and they just had more opportunities to take shots. Granted, a lot of them didn't fall towards the end of the game, but early on, it just looked like, oh, it's going to be one of those games where we're just careless with the ball. They're going to get open looks and easy layups, and this is how we're going to blow it. But ultimately, you know, they regressed to the mean in terms of their shooting percentage, and we we eked it out. Who else should we be looking at on this team beyond Bradley? 
I think the big thing here is Kareem South, who's the grad transfer uh, from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, the grad transfer is he's he's brought a, a settling type of uh, just a presence, mm-hmm. especially in the backcourt. Um, it's weird because Fox has decided to push uh, starting point guard Paris Austin from last season onto the bench, and he started fre- true freshman Joel Brown. And Joel, you know, if you watch some YouTube videos of him from his high school days, uh, they they label him as the Canadian Rondo. Uh, he brings that type of edge, especially on defense. He just he harasses you um, at you know at the point of attack. You know, on timeouts or, or after timeouts, he's waiting at the half court line because um, we play predominantly man. He's waiting at the half court line for whoever the ball handler is, and he's he's like eager to pick you up and just guard you the the entire time. And I think that's helped, which in turn, he's not that great of a scorer, which is why it's allowed guys like Bradley and South to kind of flourish um, when we're running our offense. Uh, but I think that's the other guy to look out for. And, and, you know, a little addendum to that would probably be Grant Antisevich, the the Australian sharpshooter. Um, he's, his averages as a career hasn't been that great, but he exploded against Cal Baptist. Um, with I think eight threes. I did see that, yeah. And I, I was assuming it was Bradley, but I was like, no, that wasn't Bradley. So this guy, so he can really shoot too. Yeah, I mean, he's somehow picked it up. And the great thing about Fox coming in is he's he told us uh, after that Cal Baptist game where he didn't look at any of the tape from the previous seasons. He gave all the players a fresh start. And he said when he came in and he was started to evaluate guys, he thought Grant was a great shooter from the get-go. Um, he didn't have great shooting nights, but I feel like in this system that he feels like he knows where to be, what the role is, and the spacing's definitely improved so much more. Um, where they're rotating and they're shifting as the ball moves around the court, and Grant has found some some just easy open shots from either three or from the elbow, and he's with the confidence that he's playing with, he's just knocking all of them down. Uh, last question for you about the coaches, and I swear I'll get off of it. But uh, as somebody who's around the team a lot, is it refreshing to have Mark Fox? What's his personality like? And, and you know, whether or not Viking Jones is a likable guy, I mean, it has to be kind of miserable to cover a, a coach like that uh, sort of at the end where, you know, there's really no uh, putting any lipstick on that pig. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with Fox is that he basically speaks it as it is. Um, he mm-hmm. talked about after the Prairie View A&M game, he's like, we basically we, – we were badly coached, um, and he, he's you know pretty much blaming himself. And when some some reporters asked him about you know did you like the effort that your guys gave, kind of inferring that it didn't look like they were giving it all a hundred percent, he cut a, he cut off that reporter's question right away. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, really? I'm totally yeah. I'm totally happy with the effort that the guys gave. It's not about that. It's about the execution and the coaching and putting my guys in positions to you know make shots and and play hard defense. And it's refreshing to see that. And then also to see him jumping up and down on the sidelines, you know, coaching guys, yelling at them when they're on defense, getting them into position. Um, You know, at at one point he took off his blazer because I think he was sweating (laughs) through it, sweating through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you see that type of coaching and he's that invested and it's only four games into the season, I mean, I think you have a sense of, okay, I think. I think he's bought in here. Like this is not just a, like a coaching stop for him. Like he genuinely wants to see these guys succeed, which I think these, especially with how young of a team we have, they definitely need it. 
So the last question I will ask you now is um, I always like to ask the other the person from the other side, how do you feel this team matches up against Duke? What are you looking at? What are you worried about? From my perspective, what scares me uh, is that Cal does play slow. And, you know, I, I think the way to beat Duke is to execute in the half court set uh, and, and just basically keep us from running and make us run our half court set where we're not really as effective offensively. Um, what doesn't worry me is if Cal is turnover prone, then I, you know, Duke has a really tough defense this year. But what are you seeing uh, for Thursday's game? I mean, if we if we play like we did against Prairie View, we're getting blown out of the gym. <laughs> like right, right, that, right. I mean, if if that's the case. Um, but if we show up like we did against, I mean, even the UNLV game, um, this team's very weird in that it's very slow paced, but at the same time they're making so many threes, mm-hmm. which is. Usually not the case with college basketball teams. You like you see run and gun teams have higher three point percentages, but I mean I'm looking at the Ken Palm thing and we were fourth in the country last night before the Prairie View game, but we dropped to fifth. You know, as a team we were we're making our threes at a 45.5 percent clip, and I think I mean that's the the big underdog way to win. You know, like when it comes to March Madness too, right? Against sure. the big the yeah. bigger deeper teams, you make your threes. And you, you force them to, to start playing at your pace and, you know, at the, the level of the offensive production. And that's pretty much how you're going to win. The only question for the Bears team that I have is we're pretty young at the front court. Uh, Lars Tiemann, who's a, a seven-foot, you know, center from Germany, is a freshman. Andre Kelly, who's from local Stockton, is a, is a sophomore. And those are the two guys that are mainly playing center. Uh, maybe a little bit of Kwani Kwani, who is uh, from Australia, and, but he's a freshman as well. Uh, it's just a matter of how how mature can they play in the moment against those Duke bigs and in that rotation, um, not picking up fouls um, and being able to do that. If you're able to do that and guard the pick and roll effectively, I think that gives the Bears a chance. Uh, but it's it remains to be seen. We'll see if they're up for the challenge come tomorrow or come Thursday. Are you going to MSG? I am not. I'm not. Um, unfortunately, this week is also big game week, which is our football game against Stanford. Oh, sure, of course, yeah. So it, this this time of this these two months of the year are very weird because we have basketball and football overlapping. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob Huang, thank you so much, Rob. Um, you can find him at the Bearcast, which on Twitter is CGB Bearcast. He writes for California Golden Blogs, and his personal Twitter, which I'm pulling up now, is Rob Eleven H W A N G. Uh, Rob, it was great talking to you, and thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the invite, and I'm happy to talk uh, Cal Sports as all, anytime. Awesome. Um, it was really great to hear from Rob to get a perspective on the California team. Um, uh, and I think for me, looking into that game, um, the main thing that I am looking for our guys from is to not have a repeat of the Georgia State game um, for us to really kind of show up and take it seriously and kind of come out and, you know, show what we can do. Um, I'm sure Coach K has and, you know, the other coaching staff have done their due diligence and like getting our guys minds in the right um, space to go into this game. And, you know, if we win that quick turnaround to having another game against an even tougher opponent. Um, and so, yeah, that I think that's my like. Can they show up? Can they be ready? And can they come out um, in full force? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think they will. I think you know the fact that this game is at MSG and it's mm-hmm. their first really, well, not their first big stage. They've already had that against Kansas, but yeah. it, it is a big stage and mm-hmm. you know the kind of thing that a lot of them I'm sure have dreamed of always playing there. 
Uh, and Coach K usually has his guys ready, um, with rare exceptions. And Cal's interesting, you know, three and zero, but mm-hmm. they've had some struggles as we talked about, and uh, you know, first year coach and all that. So, yeah. so I like Duke's chances um, in that game. Um, the, I think the next game, hopefully against Texas, will be the interesting one. Agreed. But before we get there, we still have some players to grade, my friend, Top and of it's the, class. the the big dogs. Uh, we finished off with Alex O'Connell, so mm-hmm. the next one is Big Matt Hurt. Ah, uh, Matt Hurt, Ryan Kelly lookalike. Yes. Um. So, and I know we've we've talked about him a lot this season on what we like. We want to see him more in the post. Um. And so, as of right now, like it's a there's like this discrepancy between how he performs in the post, which I would give him like you know a a minus for when he actually gets time down there, yeah. Versus how often he's actually down there, which isn't nearly enough. Um. And so I'd probably like plunk that at like a you know. B minus maybe C for him not just actually getting down there and like taking those opportunities. Granted, some of that might not be his choice. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I would love to love to see him actually get down there. Um, and when it comes to his like three point performance, um, he's been pretty he's, solid. He's been, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, our, our best he's guy for sure. Yeah, our so best guy. 40%. That definitely. Yeah, yeah, I I would give up slate him an A for that. I think I trust him to be able to hit those big shots down the line when we need them from him. Um, and then I also give him an a for the fact that like the boy doesn't lose his cool. Um, like he's he's very much. Yeah. And like, that's just great to see. And especially when like the, you know, opponents we play get tougher and games get, you know, more contested. Um, it's really nice to know that, when he does get pressured by the defense or by crowds at opposing teams um, home court, that that's not going to impact the way that he plays. Um, And so that uh, also for me, I mean, slates him at an A. I was going to say something else and then I forgot it. Um, (laughs) And hopefully it comes back to me. Um, so I will agree with you. I'm going to put him at a solid a minus right now. I love, I love Matt hurt. Um, yeah. And to some extent, I mean like the being in the post that that's coach K's job, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's got to figure out a way to do that. Now we've said before, he's got a guy in Vernon Carey who's pretty darn good down there yep. too. Um, so, you know, Matt hurt, the job of Matt hurt will be to find his way in this offense. And, and that is a big job for coach K. Maybe one of the biggest jobs he has on the offensive end this year, because that's too good a talent to waste. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely love what I've seen from hurt. He was wonderful against Kansas. He's been, you know, he's uh, some games great offensively. Some he's just good, but he's certainly never bad. He right. doesn't make bad choices. He's hit a ton of big shots. He's solid on D. Um, yeah, I, I just am thrilled with what we've seen from him so far. So um, in my book, he's done a terrific job. Yeah. Vernon Carey Jr., their All true right. center. He is averaging 14 points a game, eight boards. Uh, eight boards leads the team, 14 second only to Trey Jones. Um, and as you pointed out before the show, one for one from three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, talk about Vernon Carey. What do you think? Yeah. So uh, with Vern... and. One, I definitely give him an A for his footwork. Um, and granted, you know, being a little bit spoiled and seeing like Zion's like footwork and ability to like yeah, move on oh the yeah. court with such finesse last season, it's really encouraging to see another big man with feet that delicate and can really find his position well in the lane when he's going up against um, other big guys. Um, I would probably knock him down to like a, you know, B minus for the touch of his hands. Sometimes when he's like around the around the basket or like going for dunks or things like that, um, or like catching balls in the lane, um, 
I, I think that hopefully that'll maybe be something that we can see change as the course of the season goes. But I know that's also one of those things of like, sometimes if you don't have good hands, like you just don't, you just don't. Yeah. Um, and so that might just be, you know, the case for him. I know for me, I have like a very difficult time relaxing my hands when it comes to doing like anything. It used to be <laughs> like pipetting or doing things for like science. Sometimes it's just like <laughs> lab hands aren't that great. Can think real good. Lab hands aren't that great. Couldn't be a surgeon. <laughs> no, that's, that's, for somebody else to do um but so between between those two things just looking on offense in that regard that probably rounds his offensive score out to like an a minus b plus in that range um but then looking at um him on like rebounding and his ability to like clean up and things like that i'm very much um encourage him to probably slate that performance at an a yeah yeah, I, uh, I think if you're going to talk about the negatives, uh, a few too many turnovers for a big man tied with Trey Jones, and he's not touching the ball nearly as much as yep. Trey. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe fouls a little bit yeah, too much. Yeah, he's know, second little, leader. He's no, he's no Javin. Jav. He's no Javin, but, uh, but he does uh, a few stupid fouls. But overall, I've been unbelievably pleased mm-hmm. with Vernon Carey. Um, all that negative, that stuff aside, I think he's been... Really terrific, and I again I would give him an A minus as well because I, I just am delighted by his footwork, by his scoring ability, and I think again he's really really solid on defense. Um, but just to see a true center who gets the ball and you go oh <laughs> unless he miss. unless he misses the dunk right. he's going to score if he's one on one you can't stop him. Right. His touch is too good. He's too smart. His footwork's too good. Mm-hmm. He's got too many moves. He's like the closest thing we've had to Akeem Olajuwon, right. where he's just graceful under there. Yep. He's just graceful and he's got a great touch. Yep. Uh, and I love having that in the center. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll add, um, one of the things that I think I worried about going into the season was that I felt that as a center, right, he's got the height, but he doesn't have a lot of like bulk behind it. Yeah. And I was a little bit worried about him ending up getting pushed around as a consequence of that. And definitely seeing him against Kansas showed me that that is, isn't a thing that I necessarily need to worry no. about. Nope. Um, and so that's another, you know, notch in his upwards in his grade as well. That's right. Yeah. And also he happens to be quite a good passer. Yes. I think. Um, this next guy, he's got an A for me. I won't, no suspense, Cassius Stanley. Yeah. Um, we saw a little bit of a tough game from him last time offensively, but that's about the only bad thing Mm -hmm. you can say about him. He can score. He plays terrific defense. He's got seemingly a great attitude. Yep. Seems like a leader out there. Brings a ton of energy. I love Cassius Stanley. Uh, And he was our fourth best recruit. I love him. Agreed. No, I would definitely give this kid an A. Um, and like, there's also just something familiar about him to me and it's like it's interesting because i feel like the and this kind of goes back to my comment about my worry about our team being a little bit undersized um he feels small for the position that he plays but he the things that he's able to do on the court the ways he's able to work in the lane or drive the ball or um even the spaces that he gets into on defense um you wouldn't think that he was undersized Um, and like it definitely put that fear of mine to bed. Um, and his, I mean, his toughness is spectacular. Um, he's in everything. He's not afraid to go up against big defenders. Um, and I really just, I love watching him play basketball. Yeah. He's playing his way into a lottery pick. He's so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's really, I, I don't have much bad to say about him to be honest at all. Um, and last but not least, certainly not least, Trey Jones. I will say, Ariana, I 
there is not much left to say for me about Trey Jones. It's an A+. plus. We started the year going, I hope he's kind of out of that slump we yep. saw last year. Gradually, we're like, oh, this guy is going to be ACC first team. Yep. Now I think he's going to be ACC player of the year, and I'm starting to God, fantasize about like national player of the year because he is he's so good. Been so so great. Yeah. I mean, not, what else? What else can you say? He's, he does everything. He does. Um, I mean, his you know, Coach K has long been talking about how he's going to have to have more of a responsibility with scoring this season, and. I mean, he's got it. He can do it. He's shown us that he can. He's shown us that he can muscle the ball in. He's shown us that he can, you know, has the stones to pop out and like shoot a three. Um, and his ability to, I mean, I think he has 23 assists so far this season and we've only played four games. Like that number is stupid. Like that number is stupid. It's, it's stupid. And he's um, not playing. He's playing right now. He's going to be more, but right now right. it's only 30 minutes a game. Right. It's going to go way up. But that's so he's... <laughs> You know, he's so smart on the court too. like his ability to not just read like on offense to make sure that he's getting the ball distributed in the ways that are going to be most effective, but also his way to like read the other team when he's driving the ball or when he's on defense and can like shut people down or like get steals and things like that. It's just the the kid knows the game so well and has such a strong feel for it. And then has the tenacity to back all of that up. And I was so excited when he came back for a second season. And I am just really just thrilled to watch him as the season unfolds. And then beyond that, to just see where his basketball career goes. Because he's just so fun to watch minus the moments when it looks like he's about to get injured and like everybody (laughs) in the building is just like oh my god Trey no like can we just put a bubble around you because we need to protect you from like anything he should be the first player allowed to play in a bubble yes no like you said there's been a lot of tests for him um coming in expectations and and in the games and he's passed all of them with flying colors Mm -hmm. and I was pretty flabbergasted to hear uh the announcers in the last game say that coach K had complimented him by saying he's the best on-ball defender that we've ever had at Duke, which is, that's high praise from a person who tends to reserve his praise, as we saw with like the 2010 national title team. He wouldn't even call them a great team until they had won. Uh, You know, this is not somebody who throws uh, things around like that lightly. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, Trey Jones, if you take defense into account, and I hope they do, it's hard not to think, based on what we've seen so far, Mm -hmm. that he's just going to be one of the best players in the country, and what a privilege to have him on our team. Agreed. So, A-plus for me for Trey Jones. Jones for uh, sure uh, and then finally I mean let's talk about coach K it's, it's bionic knees bionic knees and salt and pepper letting the gray shine through um, yeah a plus for fashion on coach K I do think it's it's pretty early in the year to be judging mm-hmm. uh, you know your the strength of a coach and how you end up being judged for a year is the adjustments you make right so you know we haven't played you know other than Kansas which was a crazy game mm-hmm. um, but you know those games aren't, aren't to judge by either so I you know I think coach K has done fine yeah um, my criticisms maybe you know I, I want do want to see Matthew hurt involved more In the um, I want to see him solve Jack white somehow right and the fact that I don't know how to do that <laughs> tells a lot that's it's not an easy problem <laughs> no, not in the um, even for a, you know a, a whatever a Monday morning quarterback for me like me but yeah, I, I think overall it's been good. And uh, my perspective, Ariana, is that I didn't expect to love this team the way I love them. I didn't expect them to be this good defensively mm-hmm. and uh, to gel this quickly. Uh, I feel so optimistic about this year. And, you know, obviously you have to tip your cap because a lot of that is down to Coach K. 
Right. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely second that. Um, and I think one of the things that I appreciate that about him and I've had debates about like whether or not he's like a great coach because I've had friends who have definitely like argued about that fact and it's like a (laughs) well he just gets good players and it's like not always but I digress um but is his ability to see what his team is what he's working with and then find the way to mesh those pieces so that they'll be successful together um and I think that's what we've seen by the fact that like last year's team was all offense, like let us run and gun yeah. all day oh, long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this year's team is almost the flip where it's like, where, where are our strengths? Our strengths are on defense. Our strengths are like literally just shutting you down and stifling you with the intensity that we have on defense and then using that to create our offense. Um, and just being smart about the defensive substitutions that he's making um, and knowing that that's where like, those are going to be the places where this team is able to draw some energy Um, and so in seeing, and again, it's early, right? We've only played four games and a couple exhibitions. Um, and you know, we still have so much basketball left to play, but in seeing those sorts of things happening already, or like that sort of recognition, um, it, it makes me hopeful that for later in the season, when the ACC schedule starts to get tough or things like that, that, knowing the identity of this team to start is going to pay dividends when we have those tough situations and we have to figure out how to get ourselves out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there are going to be frustrations this mm-hmm. year. The story is just being written. Yep. And we're at the very start of things right now. These are early days. Um, we're going to run into our problems because we can't score as well because mm-hmm. we don't really have shooters, yep. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, we are the number one team in the nation on November 19th. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you and I had staked our lives on whether that would happen. Uh, would have said no. <laughs> we, would be, we would be six <laughs> feet under for sure right now. Um, and just parenthetically, anyone who doesn't think Coach K is a good coach is an, right? is an Questionable. idiot. Questionable. Yeah, Questionable at best. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so... It's been great. I mean, this is a, this is a fun team. We're all enthusiastic. We're gonna learn more from mm-hmm. from Thursday against Cal, and then Friday again. I hope we play Texas. Me too. I like I like Shaka Smart. He's uh, I, we're about to go to the clip uh, speaking with Dustin McComas um, from OrangeBloods.com, yeah. a Texas basketball blogger. Um, he's gonna talk. People are not happy with Shaka Smart down there right now. However, there is a little bit of optimism. They're four and zero this year. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about all that, but I think that would be an interesting team to play. Agreed. Because they run a lot of guards. They play slow so mm-hmm. far, and this is not a full court press team, uh, as as Dustin will tell us in a moment. Um, but it's a team who can slow it down and who can stifle you in the half court set. Not a great matchup for Duke, no. to be honest. No, that's definitely would put us in a position that we aren't outfitted to compete against well. Um, And so it'll be, I I think that'll be an interesting chance to see what adjustments get made if we face a team like that. That's right. And we've we've played a lot of teams that love to run with us and Mm -hmm. we're going to start seeing smarter coaches who don't do that. So let's go right to Dustin to hear about Texas, to hear about Shaka um, and what we can expect from the Longhorns if we do play them on Friday. All right, this is Shane again, and I'm really happy to be joined by Dustin McComas of OrangeBloods.com, and you can also find his podcasts on Yak.com, Y-A-K-K. Uh, and we're talking to Dustin today because we're going to assume uh, that Texas beats Georgetown on Thursday because Georgetown, frankly, doesn't look good. Um, maybe some wish fulfillment, too. I like Texas. I like Shaka Smart. Uh, and Dustin, the first thing I wanted to ask you, this is Shaka Smart's fifth year there, so he's got all his own guys now. Actually kind of blew my mind when I saw it was his fifth year. 
Um, but I would imagine uh, early in the season, you guys are 4-0, quality win over Purdue. I imagine that expectations are high, but um, maybe some some optimism around the program too. So, yeah, just give us a sense of where Texas basketball is at right now. Yeah, I would describe it as a very cautious optimism. Uh, <laughs> the, the Texas fan base has been waiting for for a breakthrough season for Shaka Smart, and they just haven't quite ever gotten over the hump. Um, of course, there's there's been some things out of his control along the way, injuries here or there, um, Andrew Jones's leukemia diagnosis. Um, so Texas fans are just kind of they're they're waiting for something to get fully behind, and there's some optimism building around this group. You know, you mentioned the Purdue win uh, to go up in that arena and win that type of game this early in the season was was a quality. Uh, statement for them early on so yeah it's he it seems like as crazy as it is to say in, in year five it seems like he's got his roster now um you mentioned all his guys but also too from a personnel standpoint they've been they've been able to and will play a lot more four guard lineups uh, than they probably ever have at texas which is something he did a lot at vcu yeah, and I actually covered him when he was at VCU, and I went up there, and I, I really enjoyed those uh, those Havoc teams. And of course, his most famous year was when he made the Final Four in 2011. Um, I've fallen behind on following Texas basketball, quite frankly, the last couple years. Fair to say that he hasn't changed. Like we're still dealing with a, a full court press, uh, man to man style Havoc kind of uh, kind of uh, team. Yeah, he he just, the, with some teams they have pressed some, um, but he. He's hardly ever did it with this group. And, you know, it's a very popular topic from a media perspective when he first arrived is, okay, you know, you're going to press, you're going to do this and that. And, you know, he, he goes into a long uh, definition about Havoc being about a mindset and those yeah. sorts of things. And I, I just don't think he's ever had that same type of mindset or personnel. You know, it's, it's a little bit different at Texas when you are able to go recruit the McDonald's All-American type players. Um, you're not recruiting many of those under the radar, limited offer, mid-major kind of guys that are just kind of that junkyard dog mentality. So um, he's had some teams in the past at Texas that have pressed some. Um, I think the group two years ago that that went to the PK80 and, and played Duke into overtime um, and, and played Gonzaga really well as well. Uh, that group was set up to do it more before Andrew Jones uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. But I wouldn't expect it much from this group. You might see it from time to time, depending on the flow of the game and depending on the matchup. Uh, but he's he's been much more of a half-court defensive guy during his time at Texas. Yeah, again, this is Dustin McComas. He writes for orangebloods.com, uh, D. McComas OB. And a quick shout-out to Brian Curtis for uh, turning me on to Dustin's work. Um, Dustin, yeah, this is probably a way more complicated question uh, than the way I'm going to frame it, but are people happy with Shaka Smart so far? I mean, I know 8 and 10 in the Big 12, probably not what you envisioned. He did win the NIT, which I want to ask what that's like, because I know it's kind of a, a bittersweet thing. But yeah, in general, like, what does Texas think of Shaka Smart here after four years? Uh, to put it simply, no, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the fan base is, I, I guess maybe disgruntled is, is a proper way to describe it. Um, they definitely expected more, uh, when he was hired because 
you know, it's easy for, for fans now in hindsight to say, oh, no, that was a, it wasn't a good hire when it was made. No, he was one of the premier guys um, on the ma- on the market from a high major hiring perspective. So, um, yeah, but the Texas fans just haven't been pleased with, with the results they've had so far. Um, he, he made it to the NCAA tournament a couple times, but no NCAA tournament wins yet. And the way those, those NCAA tournament appearances, too, happened, you know, go back to his first year, the Northern Iowa game, they get beat on a buzzer beater. Uh, then yeah. they get back to the NCAA tournament with Muhammad Bamba. They have a big lead in the second half against Nevada, a really good Nevada team. Uh, Nevada comes all the way back and wins that game in overtime. So that he just ever hasn't he hasn't ever been able to get over that hump to really reel the fan base in completely. And it seems like every time he's close to doing it, going back to last year, you know, they go to Las Vegas, they beat North Carolina, they play Michigan State really tough, they come back home and they lose to Radford. So it's like every time he takes two steps forward takes one step back so I, I think fans are definitely I think this team has their attention and, and they're wanting to buy in uh, but I think overall the fan base is definitely not satisfied from what they've seen so far and you know the NIT is weird it, it's it's obviously it's not what you want to see as a fan being in the NIT as opposed to the NCAA tournament especially a program like Texas that under Rick Barnes went to the NCAA tournament so much but um, I, I think there definitely was a portion of the fan base that that really enjoyed the way the team played. It was kind of our first true glimpse over like a five game stretch of what Texas was supposed to look like under Shaka Smart. You know the the right, perimeter right. shooting, the the great defense, um, the playmaking, uh, you know the team aspect of basketball, all those sorts of things. And oh by the way, they're just going out and, and for the most part hammering people and, and teams that were pretty solid too. I mean that Lipscomb team was was really good. Uh, you know TCU who they played in Madison Square Garden was solid. So it's not like they were beating a bunch of teams ranked in the 200s of the Ken Palm rankings. They were beating some quality competition. So I think that team. I think Texas fans are pretty smart in that visually they can see when a team looks good um, and when a team doesn't look good and so far they've been encouraged by the way this team looks this season uh but there haven't been many times they've been encouraged in years past yeah and it was really interesting what you said about how at vcu he was recruiting a certain type of person for a certain system and you do wonder if a system coach like that is almost like a fish out of water when all of a sudden he has much more talent at his disposal but not necessarily guys who are going to fit into his you know his havoc mindset so i do i'm sure that's crept into your mind on numerous occasions uh is that kind of a feeling that's uh that's pervading if he has one or two more years that are sort of mediocre yeah i think that's one of the big questions many people have had uh especially texas fans is you know he got here uh and then you see a few years and it's like wait a minute these He's, they're not doing the things they did at VCU. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, right, you right. know, Texas fans, Texas fans that are upset, they're disappointed that they go, well, well, why did we hire him then if he's not doing those things? So, and, and then on from his side of things, he's like, well, I'm I'm recruiting a different kind of player. You know, you're getting you're getting more, you know, like a one and done big man type of guy. You're getting getting different guards. You know, people were really using that a lot against him in recruiting as well as say, hey, don't go to Texas. You're going to have to play in that style when when he wasn't really playing that same. style style so uh yeah it's, it's something that texas fans have really pointed to and it's like why did he not do what he was most known for at vcu but the way his mind works is, is that's that that's all kind of a mindset type of thing and he just has a different set of, of players and a different type of recruit now at texas uh but to his credit recruiting hasn't been the issue uh they've gotten some good players uh, and he's recruited going gone toe-to-toe with some of the best um, and gotten some big names in Austin, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump yet. 
Yeah, and it, it's funny in that way of you uh, you hire a guy who is known for coaching really well in a certain way, but you're hiring him to do a job he hasn't done before, which is to coach in a different way. It's like hiring a, a football coach who devises a brilliant passing offense, and then he goes to a, no, uh, a new school and runs the wishbone or something. Uh, and it's like, that's, that's not what we got you for. Um, but it certainly does make sense as to why he would do that. Um, Dustin, a really quick detour here. You mentioned Rick Barnes. Um, he was always for people who weren't in Texas and who just kind of followed the game peripherally, uh, including my friend Spike, who wrote for Grantland. He was kind of a punchline in the sense of obviously a good coach, a good recruiter, but you know he couldn't make the Final Four with Kevin Durant, things like that. Um, in hindsight, what do people in Texas think of Kevin Barnes now? You know, I, I think Texas fans, for the most part, um, even when he left, thought he was a really good basketball coach, but that he just things have gotten too stale in Austin, which I think was fair. You know, it just kind of turned into a running joke amongst Texas fans at times. You know, you could you could flip the calendar, and once you get to February, everybody's like, okay, here comes the decline. Here's when the the, the team that we saw two months ago is going to start going into the tank, and it was it was almost like clockwork. Uh, to where his teams, just when you needed to peak, uh, would start going in the other direction. So I think Texas fans, um, even when he got pushed out, were saying, you know what, we need a change. Uh, but we know he did some really, really good things at Texas. We know he's a good basketball coach, but that sometimes it's just best for both parties to just go separate ways. And I don't think many Texas fans are surprised by the success he's had at Tennessee. Um, I, I do think they all watch the NCAA tournament games he's play, he plays in and waits for his team to to find a way to lose the game in the final minutes because that's just kind of the way things went for him at Texas during his final seasons. But, uh, no, I think Texas fans overall really appreciate the way he the what, what he did for that program, kind of putting it back on the map with T.J. Ford and recruiting the big names. Uh, but I think they understood that it was a time for a change. Yeah, and that makes total sense. I think that's a pretty reasonable way to look at it. Um, let's talk about this year's Texas team. So, obviously, this is a Duke podcast. Um, give us a rundown of what we can expect. I see, you know, you talked about Andrew Jones. He's back. He's averaging double digits. The other guy you have in double digits is Matt Coleman the third. Um, and then you, it seems to be uh, right down the line of very, very balanced. I mean, you have, let's see, seven guys averaging at least eight points and nobody averaging more than 15. Uh, what is this offense going to look like? Yeah, I, I think it's going to look – well, it has looked different than offenses in the past. And I, I think that it's not a coincidence that this is the first year – in the last three years that he that Shocker Smart doesn't have a one-and-done big man. Um, even at this point, Jackson Hayes was already looking like a guy that was a special talent. Um, and they've really built their offenses around those guys. I mean, they ran a ton of pick-and-roll with Jackson Hayes, sometimes to a fault. Um, you know, they tried to gear their offense a certain way with Muhammad Bamba and Jared Allen. Now they've got a different roster from the standpoint of a lot more four-guard lineups. You know, Gerald Liddell's emergence has really allowed them to play a four-guard lineup. He's, he's been a starter since he returned from a concussion that kept him out for the first game. Uh, but he's more guard than big man, but he's playing the four for them. Um, so offensively, they've looked more multiple. Um, they they really like the, their base set. They really like to run offense through the five man at the top of the key and then allow the guard to be a decision maker, whether that's pick and roll, whether that's driving to the rim, whether that's moving the ball to the wing or to the corner, whatever it is. You can go back and watch that Purdue game during the you know the final minutes there, and Matt Coleman ran it about as well as I've ever seen anybody run an offense for Shocker Smart at Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have been more multiple and I think that speaks to the scoring uh there's been you know some games it's it's Courtney Ramey some games it's Matt Coleman there's been a game where it was Gerald Liddell there's been a game where it was Andrew Jones that's what they want to be is a team that doesn't necessarily have to depend on one guy they want to be a guard driven group 
Uh, they call it we over me basketball, which isn't that dissimilar from what a lot of teams want to play uh, in terms of those extra passes, moving the ball and not being stagnant. Uh, but they are doing a little bit more of running guys like Jace Febris off action away from the ball and just being more multiple, which I think was a big gripe Texas fans had in the past, is that you watch some games and you think all they ran was pick and roll the entire game, even when it didn't work and they'd pound the ball into the ground sometimes and get a bad shot late in the clock. They're not doing that as much. Uh, the problem for them thus far is that their best offensive performance was against Purdue when they shot 9 of 20 from beyond the arc. In the other games, they just haven't shot the ball that well, whether it's an icy half or, or a whole game or whatever it is. Uh, they haven't been quite consistent enough shooting the basketball yet. But, uh, you know, that's that's been a bugaboo for Shaka Smart at Texas. Uh, you know, Texas fans always joke, when is he going to recruit some shooters? Uh, he thinks this is going to be the best shooting team that he's had at Texas. Uh, but so far, it's been too inconsistent, which kind of creates some weird um, offensive efficiency performances so far this year. Yeah, uh, we can relate as Duke fans. We always think we have some sharp shooters coming in, but the, <laughs> the last two years it's been just a complete disaster uh, up and down the line. Um, you know, I, it's very early in the year to be looking at Ken Palm's stats, but one thing that I, I looked at Texas and it made me nervous was they have a slow tempo. Uh, now, again, that may just be because they played Purdue <laughs> and Purdue is a really slow tempo and maybe the rest of the games are fast. But, you know, Duke loves to run and uh, we have one of the highest tempos in the country. Is this a team that's going to use uh, a lot of the shot clock on offense? I, I think that they're I think that so far this year they've been better when they really try to grind through their offense. I, I think that. You know, they've gotten to some some trouble sometimes. This happened in their last game against Prairie View A&M where um, their offense generated a lot of open looks from the perimeter early in the clock. And, you know, they had, for the most part, the right guys shooting those shots that just weren't going in and they just kind of fell in love with those looks. Uh, so I think they're a little bit better when they try to grind things through. I actually think that they've done a better job getting out in transition this season than I think any other Shaka team has. Uh, they've got, I, I don't know if it's because of the personnel but they've really got out in the open floor with the intent to go to the rim and score the basketball, which has been an area where they really haven't been as good in the past. What I think has influenced their tempo more than anything is defensively, they've been awesome. Uh, Luke Yoklich is already making a huge, huge difference for that defense, and they're playing really good one-on-one -on -one defense. They're playing really good half-court defense, and, and they're doing a great job of taking away the perimeter shot from, from opposing teams, and that's forcing teams – to really get deep into the shot clock on a more consistent basis, which I think it kind of plays into uh, the overall tempo. But I, I think Texas, you know, it's one of the interesting things about the Georgetown matchup and then potentially the Duke matchup looking ahead is, you know, does does Texas kind of fall into that trap of playing too fast, you know, getting up too many uh, quick perimeter shots and those sorts of things because Duke wants to play fast and Georgetown plays really, really fast uh, because they've been a little bit better when they grind things out a little bit more in the half court. Uh, but they do want to get up and down, especially off of misses and off of turnovers. Dustin McComas, uh, orangebloods.com. Dustin, the last question I'll ask you, and you kind of touched on it there a little bit, uh, as Duke fans, we've uh, surprisingly kind of fallen in love with this team uh, and not really expected to do so. Um, but despite the fact that we have a number one in front of our name right now, I don't think anybody really quite believes it yet. Um, and I do think it's a very beatable team. Uh, so to look at it from your side of things, uh, is there a way to, to sort of uh, quantify or put a value on how important it would be if a Shaka Smart coach team managed to go beat number one ranked Duke at Madison Square Garden? I think it'd be huge. Uh, it'd be enormous because, 
you know, it would it would be on its own if they didn't beat Purdue. I think people would be really really excited, but they would also say, hey, remember when when Texas beat North Carolina last year and they went into the tank, yeah, and yeah. lost and lost some bad games at home following that. So because it would come after the Purdue game and after they held serve at home and, and kind of handled their business there, I think it'd be massive. Uh, it, it would really pump a lot of belief into that program. Uh, a, a program that could really use it right now. And then also, too, it, it, from a non-resume standpoint, it would be a, oh, okay, they actually responded to something that happened really well at the beginning of the season by going out and continuing to play good basketball. So uh, I, I think that, you know, looking at Madison Square Garden, those two games, it wouldn't shock me if they went 2-0, and even if, even if it is Duke that they played in that second game. Uh, it also wouldn't shock me if they went 0-2 because that's just kind of the way the program's gone under Shaka. So uh, with that in mind, I think that's what would make it such an enormous statement for Texas. It would be, wow. Okay, these guys have been really consistent and have built off of that NIT uh, and seem to be trending in the right direction in terms of not having just that abysmal performance in a situation where they can have success. Well, Dustin, this was great. Uh, you guys can follow him at OB on Twitter. He writes for orangeblood.com and does podcasts at yak, Y-A-K-K.com. Uh, Dustin, really, thank you so much for joining me. All right. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. And hopefully we get some good entertaining basketball up in New York this week. Okay, awesome stuff from uh, from Dustin. Thank you again. Ariana, we are about to wrap up here, but uh, let's put this week in context. We're going to be back with Aaron this weekend recording mm-hmm. after we see what happens at Madison Square Garden. Hopefully the Blue Devils go 2-0, and but what are you looking at this weekend? What is it going to teach us, and what are sort of the implications as we start to get into the thick of the schedule here? Yeah, uh, I think for me this weekend creates kind of a, a really good – test for not just like resiliency having these two hopefully back-to-back games um and the potential of playing a texas team that's really going to challenge us in a way that we haven't necessarily seen yet um with a different style of play that like i said before we're not outfitted to perform well against um but then also seeing how we kind of shake off after having a little bit of a like dust up in that georgia state game before we kind of found ourselves to to keep going so one the bounce back from that a little bit of a tricky game to the because we played kansas in madison square garden right so it's a return there to see how we like perform um and then you know a test against a team that we don't necessarily stack up well against and so i think this this i mean right it works just just the way that like the classroom does you have tests to show in a like show where you're at what your strengths are um and assess you and then you have that ability to learn from that and then hopefully improve and so i think kind of in the coming weeks right we only after this tournament we have a handful of non-conference games michigan state and then we kick into acc play um and so hopefully we can check in you know and see how these grades stack up and see how our guys improve yeah i'm with you there i um the thing i'm looking for is that i don't think we're gonna have two blowouts on our hands yep uh, I do hope we win both of them, and I think we should. I definitely think we should beat Cal. Yeah. Uh, watching some of their games, they've struggled against some, you know, not great opponents, Prairie yeah. View and M. Um, now, but I do think, you know, even in that game, and definitely in the, hopefully we play Texas again, um, or even if we play Georgetown, there are right. going to be moments where we're kind of up against it, and I'm curious to see who steps up mm-hmm. and who are the guys um, that come out and. 
this team could be a, the kind of team where it's someone new every right. time. You know, we saw Joey Baker do it against Georgia State. Um, who's the next man up? It could always be somebody different. So yep. I do look forward to that. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting back to basketball and, and seeing us play some power conference teams. All right, good stuff, Ariana. Thank you very much. Yeah, fun night. Fun night. And uh, we will be back, like I said, this weekend. And in the meantime, uh, go Duke. Woohoo.